Welcome to the How Did You Get Into That podcast. Each week, we want to bring you an inspiring interview or encouraging message to help you find and do work you love. Now, here's your host, Grant Baldwin. What is up, my friends? Welcome to another episode of How Did You Get Into That? Great to have you here with us today. Hope you're doing well. Appreciate you tuning in. Appreciate you joining us. Just means a lot. And uh, whether you're driving into work right now, maybe you're at the gym, maybe you're on the treadmill, the dreadmill, whatever it is, wherever you may be, really appreciate you being here. really means a lot. Hey, got a great episode for you today. Excited to get into it. Got my buddy John Corcoran. John has got quite the story here. He currently runs a website teaching people about relationships and networking. But before that, he actually worked in the White House. He was a speechwriter for a governor in California. Uh, We talk a lot about networking, connecting with people, finding people and doing something similar to what it is that that you want to do, connecting with them. This is something we talk a lot about on the show is who is someone that's doing something in a way that you want to do it? And not only that, not only doing it in a way you want to do, but just doing the type of work that you would want to do in general. And then not only that, but how do you connect with that person? Once you identify who that person is or who some of those people are, how do you begin to build that relationship? So John is a master at that. We talk a little bit about that today, but we spend a lot of time actually in the bonus round. This is something we've been doing more of lately. If you haven't had a chance to check this out, make sure you take the time to do it. We'd love to have you join us. But basically we do the interview everything you're going to hear today. Then afterwards, John and I hop back on the mic for another uh, about five, 10 minutes or so, do a couple more questions. We talk about how to connect with busy VIPs. That's something we're going to talk a little bit about in the bonus round. So if you want to download that, if you are listening to this on your phone right now, if you want to just open up the app, wherever it may be on your page there, you should see that title at the top there that just says that you can download the bonus material. Just click that link. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to do anything else. Just within the app itself, you can download the exclusive bonus material there right to your phone. So encourage you to do that. You can hear the bonus round of what John and I talk about, but let's get into it. Here's my interview with John Corcoran. Enjoy. What is up, my friends? Welcome to another episode of How'd You Get Into That? Today, we're joined by my buddy, John Corcoran, who is an online entrepreneur and a networker. He's a lawyer. I mean, the guy's got his hand in a bunch of different stuff, but all around just a, a good dude. So excited to share his story and journey with you today. So John, what is up, man? Welcome to the show. Hey, Grant. Thanks so much for having me. All right. So for someone that is completely unfamiliar with who you are and what it is that you do, give us that 30,000 foot view. Yeah, so I've got kind of unusual story. So I was very fortunate in that I kind of got my dream job at the age of 23. I landed a job as a writer in the Clinton White House. And we can talk a little bit about how I landed that job. It certainly had a lot to do with building relationships with the right people, which is what I write about now at my blog, smartbusinessrevolution.com. And I also practice law. I'm an attorney. And of course, relationships are crucial whenever you're a service provider and you have clients that you want to bring in. It's crucial to have relationships and to build a, a big network. So I started my career in politics. I also dabbled a little bit, worked in the entertainment industry as one of the early employees for DreamWorks, working for Steven Spielberg over at DreamWorks, which was in its wow. infancy. It was kind of early, early days there. It was kind of like the Tesla Motors of today. It was yeah. a, the hot startup that everyone was paying attention to at the time. And I worked my way through politics. I was also a speechwriter for the governor of California. And I've also worked in Silicon Valley, right in the heart of Silicon Valley, right across the street from eBay. So I've worked for a number of different industries. And in each case, the common denominator in each case, I had to build a network and get to know people inside of that industry. And so that's what I write about today. I write for Forbes and Art of Manliness and my own site and give people advice and podcasts about relationship building. 
Nice. And I, I think that's definitely a, a skill we were talking a little bit about offline, that networking and being able to connect with people can be such a game changer for people's careers and, and their businesses and just for their own personal lives. So I think that's definitely a topic we can get into today. So growing up, did you always have the aspiration to somehow be connected and work in the White House? You know, I didn't not necessarily work in the White House. I, I don't know if anyone grows up you know, thinking like <laughs> that would be where I, exactly where I'd like to work. But, you know, there, I can remember distinctly, I was probably like 11 or 12 years old, I can remember distinctly walking around in my school and having this feeling of I really liked knowing everyone. So I liked walking down the hall and like looking at someone on my right and left and saying hi to each person and knowing them by name. I can remember that. Yeah. And to this day, I think that continues in me. I like knowing everyone. And it's a helpful trait to have, but not everyone feels the same way, I know. But it definitely is useful when you get into the working world because it's helpful to have a large network and it's helpful to remain in touch with people because the worst thing you can do is lose touch with people and then have a need to be in touch with people. Again, like you lose your job, right? You lose your job and then all of a sudden everyone's gotten this email. You get an email from someone who's like, hey, how you doing, buddy? Haven't talked to you in a while. I think it's been a couple of years. By the way, I just lost my job. Can you right. help me out? Right. And, and it's awful to have to do that. So what I advise people to do is to really put effort into nurturing their network and keeping in touch with people, even if there's someone they haven't talked to in a while. Yes. So for you, was it more just about whether I work in the White House or whether I work with DreamWorks or whether I work in Silicon Valley or wherever? I just want to do something where I can connect with people. Is that kind of always what you were looking for? Well, so I grew up always liking writing. That's really been my passion. I still love writing. And I knew I wanted to get a job as a writer. And so I actually did an internship while I was in college in the White House speechwriting office. And it's kind of a funny story. I wanted to get a job as a writer in the White House. And it wasn't easy. I, I still hadn't graduated from college. So I had to go back and graduate from college. Yeah. And then I was actually working in the entertainment industry. But I was hoping to get a job at the White House. So I was working at DreamWorks at the time in the entertainment industry. And I was hoping to get a job in the White House. And so I kept in touch with people who were still back at the, not just at the White House, other people who worked at the White House, but also other people in Washington, D.C. I just kind of kept my ear to the ground so I would hear about things. And then what do you know, I, one day one of the speechwriters contacts me and tells me, hey, there's this job that opened up. It might be a good fit for you. So I knew I might be getting this call one day coming up. You know, someone might give me a call about this particular job. And so I was waiting for it. And so a couple of days later, maybe half a week later, I get a call from the woman who ends up being my boss. And she calls and says, hey, want to tell you about this position that we have and you might be interested in it. And she said, can you send me your resume, writing sample, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I said, sure, I'd be happy to do that. Oh, and by the way, if you'd like to see one of my writing samples, you can open up today's New York Times. If you look at the op-ed page, <laughs> I've got a letter to the editor on today's New York Times. It was a little bit of a coincidence, but I had actually sent it in knowing that I might get this phone call it just happened to be published on the exact same day that she called me wow so the reason i tell that story is because if you have an opportunity that's coming up you can position yourself for success by just doing things that might make that little bit of a difference and what do you know i mean i did end up getting the job and so i was thrilled because it was a writing job i was only 23 years old and was working in the white house you know what's not to like about that combination so it was exciting it didn't pay hardly any it paid dirt because they can afford to do that. But it was a great experience nonetheless. I mean, all my tax dollars aren't going to pay you big bucks. 
Yeah, no, not really. <laughs> what kind of speeches were you working on there? Because, I mean, obviously, you know, we think of the big stuff that's televised, but obviously the president's giving a lot of speeches on any given week. So what kind of stuff were you working on on a day-to-day basis? So when I was an intern, I was in the speechwriting office. When I was a writer, I was a writer in presidential letters and messages. So we wrote everything, that I kind of jokingly say, everything that the speechwriters didn't want to write. <laughs> so it included proclamations and letters to VIPs and video scripts and messages to you know, large groups like the groups that you speak to now, Grant, you know, those sorts of things that mm-hmm. come from the president. So higher priority types of things. It was all in the president's voice but usually like a script or a message or a proclamation or something like that. Gotcha. How long were you there? I was there for about a year and a half. Did you enjoy it? Was it the type of thing where you're like, hey, I could see myself as a, this could be a long-term thing, or is it just kind of like, hey, this is just a, this is a stepping stone or this is the next dot in the sequence, and so we'll just, you know, just kind of put in our time? You know, there were aspects of it that I enjoyed, and there were other aspects of it that I really didn't enjoy. One of the things that I didn't enjoy was that, it was very isolating. I mean, it was literally like you hold yourself up in your office and just write, write, write all day long. We didn't need to even have that much interaction. Like we would have interaction with some of the policy people to, you know, get up to speed on the policies. But we didn't really need to have that much outside interaction. Later, when I was a speechwriter for the governor of California, it was a different type of dynamic. Now, on the other hand, it was exciting. It was exciting to be at the White House. You know, there were times that I would literally go to the bathroom. I'd be walking down the hallway and Secret Service would stop me because the president was walking by and then he'd be talking to some world leader. Like I can remember one being stopped in the hallway and I was stopped. Like literally the Secret Service said, you can't walk this way and you can't walk that way. You have to wait right here. This is the hallway of the old executive office building that I worked in and literally had to wait. And I waited while Clinton and it was the premier of China, I think, at the time, were engaged in some kind of really forceful discussion. And the, you know, the translators were right up there translating them. And Clinton's face was getting red and he was shaking his fist kind of making some point. That doesn't happen every day. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. You know, places you work. So that kind of thing was spectacular. But, you know, every job has its pluses and its minuses, I guess. Yeah. That, that reminds me, I was speaking at an event in D.C. several years ago, and it was during like a, I think it was the G8 Summit that uh, was being held in D.C. And so the hotel where I was at, I think it was the D.C., like with the D.C. Hilton, and the president of China was staying there. And so the Secret Service and then the Chinese media was just swarming with, you know, automatic high-powered rifles and weapons. It was just a tense setting, you know, wow. just being around there. But yeah, it's just kind of a unique setting when you're in that or when you cross paths in that type of just this whole different world. So on a day-to-day basis, again, from the outside looking in, we're thinking, man, I mean, you work at the most powerful address in the US, but it's, I guess on the other side of it, it's still, it's a very isolating, lonely, it's got its its highs and it's also got its its real lows to it. Yeah. And you know, if you're in a situation like that, one of the things I recommend is try and make the most of it at the time and try and use it to your advantage down the line. So I'm not saying that you steal stationery and then go sell it on the black market. But what I'm saying is there's value to it. Like, for example, we could we could have our friends come in and, and do tours. We could give them tours. Right. And that's an amazing thing. So I did that a couple of times and people were like indebted to me. To this day, they say like, oh man, that was so great when you gave me a tour of the White House. That was so exciting. Yeah. You know, another amazing story that happened to me that I've shared on a couple of different podcasts is I had worked in the entertainment industry, so I had a friend of a friend who knew someone who was working on 
a show at the time. This was about 1999. I was working on a show at the time that was about politics in Washington, D.C. And she had a friend who was working on creating this show. And she said, would you talk to him and you know, tell him a little bit about what your day to day is like? And, you know, I could have gotten in trouble for doing that kind of thing. It's kind of the press office that prefers to, you know, handle that kind of stuff. But I said, sure. So I ended up talking to him, telling me about what my day was like and, you know, what the experience was like of working at the White House. Well, and, you know, he goes on and the show's on the air and it happens to be the West Wing, which everyone right. has heard of to this day. It was right. Aaron Sorkin was the one who was putting it together. And so after that, he ended up getting a bunch of high profile advisors who were helping him to put the show together. And, and we kind of lost touch. But I ended up writing this proclamation. It was the 1999 Thanksgiving proclamation, which there's a whole long history to it. Lincoln issued it during the Civil War. It was credited with helping to unify the nation at the time. George Washington put out the first Thanksgiving proclamation. And literally it was those presidents were writing it themselves in candlelight with a quill pen in the White House. You know, and now it's like it was me in my office, like writing it. So I was really proud of it. I sent it off to him and I didn't think anything of it. I didn't really, you know, hear anything back. A year later, I turn on the Thanksgiving episode of The West Wing, and it turns out that the writing of the Thanksgiving proclamation was the essential storyline going throughout the entire episode. Wow. And so I'm watching this episode, and then at the very end, you know, President Bartlett goes and he's about to walk into the Rose Garden to read the Thanksgiving proclamation, and he turns back to the camera and he reads the first line, and it was the exact same first line of the proclamation that I had written. The exact same. It's going to be a little surreal. It was, especially given the fact that the person who had played the speechwriter who was running around writing this proclamation was Rob Lowe. (laughs) So I was like, Rob Lowe just played me on TV. <laughs> you know? That's awesome. That's very cool. Yeah. Good stuff. So once you kind of wrap that up, you've served your time, literally or figuratively, and you're wrapping up there. Is that when, So you came from DreamWorks or you went to DreamWorks from there? Came from DreamWorks. Okay. All right. So after you wrap up at the White House, at this point, you're what, 25 or so? Yep, 25. And then I go on to work as a speechwriter in California. I wanted to return back to California. That was a high priority for me. And so I came back to California, got a job as a speechwriter. I actually wanted to make it to the San Francisco Bay Area. It was a dot-com time. All my friends from college were there. It was an exciting time. I wanted to make it there. And the closest I got was Sacramento, which is about an hour and a half east of San Francisco as a speechwriter to the governor at the time. So once you're out there, are you finding yourself being like, okay, this is it. Now that we've, you know, we've got this spot, I'm in California, I'm still in politics, I'm still doing writing, I'm doing all these things that I want to do. Is it immediately resonating and clicking for you? Or are you thinking, well, I'm, you know, I'm getting closer to what I want to do, but I don't know if this is it. So what's your thought at that point? Yeah, I still don't think I was there. You know, there were elements, I think, you know, a lot of times in a job, the first six months, it's very difficult to figure out whether that is a long-term career for you. You might enjoy it, but after six months, it's a different picture. And so I did enjoy it for quite a while. It was very good. There were, much like the White House, there were good elements to it. There were bad. One of the things I didn't like about it is that I didn't have the immediate interaction or feedback of helping people one-to-one. And I was also doing something as someone else's voice. I was writing for the governor. I was a ghostwriter rather than writing in my own voice. And so those two things made a big difference for me. The other thing was I looked around and a lot of the other people who worked in the governor's office and in the White House were attorneys. 
and they were non-practicing attorneys. They'd been to law school. And I'd be in meetings with these people, and they were the people who I would lose arguments to because they just <laughs> were able to articulate their argument. They were able to poke holes in my argument, and, and I'd lose. And yeah. so I was like, oh, well, maybe I should go back to law school. So then after that, I decided that I wanted to go back to law school. And one of the things that I like about being a lawyer is that you get to help people. You get to help people one-to-one, which is something that you miss even working at the White House. There wasn't the immediate feedback, the immediate gratification and satisfaction that you get in a one-to-one relationship of helping someone. And so I wanted to get closer to that, and that's why I ended up going back to law school. And so is that fast forward to today? You went from being with the governor of California and doing the speech writing to then going back into practicing law? Uh, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, I did spend a couple of years after graduating from law school working for a couple of different firms at a couple long commutes. I was never quite happy working for someone else. I always wanted to start my own things, have run my own business, do it my own way. So it did take a couple of years to get to that point where I felt comfortable enough going out and starting my own thing. But, you know, everyone has to pay those pay those dues. You got to learn your craft and one of the best ways to do that, one of the things I always advise people to do is if you want to start a business in any particular area, one of the best things you can do is work in that area before you go and start that business. So in other words, if you're a yoga instructor right now and you want to start a coffee shop, then don't be a yoga instructor. It's much better for you to go work at a coffee shop. Or more specifically, if you're like, if you want to be a life coach, then go apprentice under another life coach so that you can figure out what it's like. And maybe you can even start to develop your own book of clients so that when you start your own life coaching business, you've got your own clients that are loyal to you. And so that's what I did. I worked for other firms for a couple of years and, and I got to a point where there were enough clients that were loyal to me that were interested in working with me. And I was confident enough in my skills that I was ready to go start my own thing. Yeah, I think it was similar whenever I got started speaking of, you know, I knew I wanted to do my own thing as a speaker, but you can't just quit your job on Friday as whatever and become a full-time speaker on Monday. It just, you know, it doesn't work like that. It takes a little while. So for a little while in the interim, I was working for a seminar company doing, I was like in my early 20s and I was speaking to these people that I, where I was the youngest person in the room talking about, you know, time management or organization within corporations and stuff like stuff I could care less about. I would prefer to be talking to, you know, high school or college students or a different audience, but I knew it was a step in the right direction. At least it was closer to what it is that I wanted to do long term rather than feeling like, well, like you're saying in your own analogy of, man, I really want to be doing something with coffee, but I guess I'll just keep doing this yoga thing. It's like, no, no, find something that's at least closer to what it is that you want to do rather than just staying in your own spot right now and hoping that it all just kind of magically falls together somehow. Exactly. I mean, when you go and start your own business, there are so many different things that you have to do. And so if you can accelerate that learning process and if you can actually learn the skill that you're going to be practicing or the the line of business that you're going to be in so you know how to do that thing, then that will be one fewer thing that you have to worry about. And then you can really just focus on getting clients or getting customers in the door. It makes a world of difference. Well, I think one real key part to your story that I really like that I think resonates with a lot of people is each thing that you're doing in terms of your career, you're, you feel like you're getting slightly closer. You know, I, I start with DreamWorks and parts of it I like, parts of it I didn't like. And then I go to the White House, parts of it I like, parts of it I didn't like. And then I, I head out to California and that's a closer, but it's still not quite there. And I, I'm kind of drawn to this law thing. And so I think that's important for people to realize, like sometimes I, don't, I, don't, I think we, we make it seem like, well, I just have to know the exact thing. And I have to, you know, when I go there, then it'll be perfect. And it'll be every day is going to be a wonderful, perfect day. And it's like, no, it's, you know, 
but some of it's just kind of just zoning in and getting a little closer. Like I, I like to use the analogy of like when you're zooming in to take a picture and you're trying to put something in focus with an, on a camera. And so you might turn the lens to the left and then you turn it a little back to the right and then a little to a little of the, and you're getting closer and closer to the point where it's like, okay, that's it. That's, and it sounds like that's kind of the path you were on of going, I'm going to go to the left. Okay. Now I'm going to turn back to the right. Now I'm going to turn a little left and eventually to the point where you are today, where it sounds like, yeah, I've found something I really enjoy, but it took a lot of turning back and forth and back and forth to kind of zone in and hone in on what it is that I was meant to do. Yeah. And I think that's one thing that people really struggle with, especially when they're in their early 20s. They feel like I need to get a job that's I'm just going to love and I'm going to be there for a long time. When the reality is, you know, a lot of times we hop around for a while before we find exactly what it is we want to do. And if you ask someone in their 40s or in their 50s, sometimes they haven't even discovered that yet. Or sometimes it evolves. Sometimes they find different things that work for a little while and then their interests wane and they decide they go in a different area. You know, a good thing to do is to find a field that generally interests you, but not necessarily a position because the position might change, but you might have a passion for the field, a real big interest in that field. So then you can move around a little bit. I love the analogy that you use of taking a photograph. Another one that came to me as you were saying that was maybe it's a little bit like you're searching for a buried treasure and you've got a treasure map and you're in the middle of a forest and you're kind of circling it and going around and around and looking and you know, you're not going to go directly to that treasure because you've got this old treasure map. Maybe right. this isn't the best analogy ever. But <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should practice it on my dog before I try it on you. But uh, no, no, I mean, I mean the point like, still stands. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's. I know the vicinity. But to know the exact spot or the exact fit, even for yourself, and you know, I know that I like writing. Well, there's a lot of ways that you could use writing yeah. in your career or in your profession, and whether that be working for someone else or working in politics or working for yourself. But I'm circling it. I'm getting a little closer until I find the point where it's like, okay, here's here's the spot on the map, and you know, this is the X marks the spot for me. Right, and I discovered that I didn't like just writing. You know, my first job was just writing pretty much. You know, there was a little bit of social interaction, but there wasn't any public speaking involved. There wasn't a lot of meetings with colleagues. There wasn't a lot of teamwork involved. It was very independent oriented. And all those qualities, all those discoveries are really important. I say to people often that if you have an internship while you're in college or in high school, or if you have a job that you try out and you discover, I don't like this thing, that's great because you've just discovered one thing that you can cross off the list. You know, cross it off and then move on and try something else and, and figure out what you do like. You know, it's a, not all of them are going to be vast successes right from the beginning. Did you ever play SimCity? I'm sure I did at some point. Yeah, it's like a kind of a city planning game, you know, a computer game. And I remember playing it in like junior high and I was like, man, this is a lot of fun and I'm good at it and I can build cities and build these cool buildings and roads and all this stuff. And uh, I remember thinking like, I want to do this in real life. This sounds really, I mean, I'm good at the game. So therefore I should probably be good at doing this in real life. So I remember in eighth grade, I did this job shadow and met up with a city planner and the guy was just miserable, just hated his job. And I'm just like this 13 year old and he's like why would you ever want to be a city planner i was like all right (laughs) scratch scratch that off the list it's not uh, no longer interesting but yeah i think that's true you know at any stage of life of just trying something and figuring out you know from the outside looking in it may seem like something i'd want to do or would be a good fit but when i actually get into it it's not a fit at all but you don't know that unless you actually give it a shot That's absolutely true. And it's really unfortunate that you had this negative experience because there could have been someone else who was a city planner who was really passionate about it who would then get you really passionate about that line of work. 
But yeah, that's absolutely true. You know, sometimes you got to try it out for a little while. You got to go into it for a little bit and figure out what's the right fit for you. I love the idea of job shadowing. That's a great idea. There's so many different ways that you can uh, consume information about different careers now from watching on YouTube. There are different documentaries out there you can watch about different careers that people have or just calling someone up. When I was 13, I remember I was interested in television. My dad I grew up, my dad was in TV, and so I was interested in television production and thinking about, oh, maybe I'd be interested in that. And so I went down and I volunteered for my local cable access TV, and I ended up uh, directing for like about five minutes, if you can call it that, <laughs> directing a local like city council hearing where and literally I went down with them a couple of times at 13 years old, and we would we'd haul in the equipment, like the cameras and everything, and set it up, and we'd videotape these like council meetings and they'd broadcast it live on the local cable access channel and so sometimes I'd be a camera operator just standing there holding the camera basically at 13 but you know it was great it was it gave me a glimpse into what it would be like if I were actually to follow that you know go into that career you know I think one thing that you know we're talking a little bit about offline that's made you successful is just the the networking that you've done and how intentional you've been about networking and I think it's so important in any type of career or business or industry that you find people that are doing something similar that you want to do and maybe in a way that you want to do it and you're able to connect with them and learn from them and, and it, I always use the analogy it's like a, taking a shortcut you know of saying I see where you're at and clearly you took some type of path to get there so you know what can I learn that can kind of cut down on my learning curve so you know building that network is so so important in any type of building a, a business or transitioning careers so uh, what are some things that you have done that has helped build the vast network that you have today? Yeah. So, well, one of the things that I strongly recommend everyone to do is pick one area that you're interested in. Some people are going to be listening to this are going to say, well, I've got a bunch of different areas. Well, pick one of them that you're interested in and you're interested in exploring and take some time. This should only take about 15 or 20 minutes to write down a list of 50 people. Start with 50. It may increase after that. Start with 50 people who I like to call this your conversations list. It's a list of the 50 people who you want to deepen a relationship with over the course of the next 12 months. And they can be people that you know already that are maybe would help you in this particular field that you're interested in. Or it could be people that you don't know already. It could be friends of friends. It could be people who are, are very successful. Maybe they're in your local community and they're in this particular field, maybe a salesperson or owner of a business that's aligned with this particular interest. Write down this list. And then over the course of the next 12 months, commit yourself to having an ongoing conversation with these people. Now, if there's someone that you know already, that will be a little bit easier. If there's someone that you don't, you might need to do some things in order to reach out and get to know them. And there are different ways that you can do that. Another thing that I advise people to do is create another conversations list only for the events and the organizations that are aligned with this particular interest that you have. So let's say that you're interested in, let's use yoga again. Let's say you're interested in, in becoming a, a yoga studio owner. Yeah. Well, you could find maybe there's a conference of yoga studio owners that happens in Chicago and you live outside of Chicago. Once a year, they have a conference, a yoga studio owners giving them advice on how to run their business. Well, if that's what you're interested in, then you should go to that conference. You should go and build relationships with other people there. And, you know, that can be a great strategy for broadening your network and for getting to know people who are in the field that you're interested in, in, in and you can learn a lot about, about the particular field. So I, I strongly recommend people to take some time, write out your conversations list of 50 people 
that you'd like to deepen and have an ongoing conversation with over the course of the next year, and also the events and organizations that you want to get involved in as well. All right, so let's play this out. So let's say I've got my list of 50. I have an idea of some people that I want to connect with, but John, I'm introverted. I'm shy. I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to, email. I don't want to bother them. I don't want to be, I don't want to be that guy. So how do, you, how do you build relationships with people when you're very introverted and you may have a difficult time of just reaching out and kind of stepping out of your comfort zone to connect with someone else? Well, there's an excellent book that answers all of this. It's called How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. The book is, it's well known, but a lot of people have heard about it, but they haven't actually read it. So I recommend everyone reads it. It's by Dale Carnegie. It was written in the 1930s, and yet the advice actually holds up to today. And the reason is because, here's the thing, you do not need to be the world's greatest conversationalist in order to carry on a good conversation. In fact, if you feel a little bit shy, and actually a lot of people consider themselves shy, different estimates say over half the population considers themselves kind of shy. But what you do need to get good at is expressing an interest in others. And one of the ways that you can do this is by making sure that you are following something that you're interested in. A lot of times people say, well, I'm introverted or I'm not interested in other people. Well, it might just be that you haven't found the field that's right for you. Or maybe you're working in a job right now that you're not passionate about and you want to move to another field. But if you take an interest in other people, you don't need to be a great conversationalist. What All you need to do is just be good at asking questions. And there's a great story in How to Win Friends and Influence People about a particular guy who goes to a dinner party and he meets a biologist and he's never met a biologist before. So he ends up asking a lot of questions. The biologist indulges and he just ends up telling all these particular different stories. And the guy who's talking to him is just really enjoying it and and asking question after question. At the end of the evening, the biologist goes to the host of the dinner party and says to the host, I had the greatest conversation with this other particular person. We just got along great. And the funny thing about it was that the other person actually didn't say that much, didn't actually talk that much about right. himself. And the thing is that so often people are just happy to indulge and they're happy to to be asked questions. They're happy when other people take an interest in them. So what I try and do is just take an interest in the person that you're talking to and ask them questions and explore what's of interest to them, what's what's interesting, the things that you have in common. And when you do that, you will find that people will be glad to get to know you better. And eventually, of course, they'll get to know more about you. But I think it starts with that, having an interest in other people. Well, some of it too is you kind of, you've done your own homework, you know, to set up yourself for success for for these people. So putting yourself in situations or I know for both of us, I mean, we've gone to conferences to meet people and we know that these certain people are going to be at conferences and we know what it is that they're going to be talking about. We know what their interests are. We know something about them. Again, none of this is in a stalker way of just, I don't want to go in cold. I want to have actually done my homework because also when you've done your homework on someone, it, it shows to the other person that you are taking a genuine interest in them. That's right. Yeah. I mean, and there's so many sources of information today. You know, you can, it's really not stalking to look up someone's LinkedIn profile, for example, right? I mean, it's publicly available most of the time. You can get all the information about a particular person. You can go on LinkedIn and and learn about someone and and learn about their background. And it's respectful, uh, particularly if the person that you're talking to is a little bit more successful, they're a little more advanced in their career. It's good for you to know a little bit about them if you have the opportunity in advance. And if not, it's great for you to ask questions about them and to learn a little bit about them. One of the best things you can do 
if you're meeting someone who you admire, let's say you're at a conference or an event or something like that, and you're meeting someone who's successful, who's advanced in their career, is to just give them a sincere compliment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I think I mentioned earlier, when I was growing up, my dad was in TV. He was actually a TV news reporter for a lot of the times when I was growing up. And so he was kind of a famous face in our local area that we were living in. And people would come up all the time to him in grocery stores. And there were two kinds of people. There were people who just come up and had nothing to say. They just recognized them and they'd maybe say something like, hey, aren't you that guy on TV? And that was the end of the conversation. <laughs> or there were people who came up and said, I saw the review that you did or I saw the story that you did last week and I just wanted to say I really enjoyed it. Good job. Keep up the good work. Yeah. And it was such a big made such a big difference and those were the people that my dad would want to continue the conversation with. And so if you do that with someone who is successful, most of the time you'll get a good reaction out of them. Just think of, you know, something that you know about them and don't be a phony or anything like that, but if you got something nice to say, Give them a nice compliment. You'll end up having a nice conversation with them. Yeah, good stuff. I've got a couple other networking questions, but we're going to save those for a bonus round. So people, make sure you stop by, you download that. Go to grantbolden.com. Download the uh, few extra questions that I'm going to ask John here in just a second. But in the meantime, John, where can we go to find out more about you and check out uh, what you're up to? Great. Thanks, Grant. If you go to my website, which is smartbusinessrevolution.com, and I'll just set up a welcome page for all your listeners. They can grab a copy of my free ebook there. It's called How to Increase Your Income by Building Relationships with Influencers, Even If You Hate Networking. And um, we'll set it up at uh, smartbusinessrevolution.com slash Grant Baldwin so people can go grab a copy of it. Awesome. And we'll be sure and link up to that in the show notes. Again, smartbusinessrevolution.com slash Grant Baldwin. So, hey, make sure again, everybody stick around for bonus time. We will be coming at you that right away. So, John, thanks for the time, man. Appreciate it, buddy. Thanks, Grant. Boom goes the dynamite. Hope you enjoyed that interview with my buddy John Corcoran of Smart Business Revolution. Really good stuff there from John. Talked a lot about networking, a really cool story of what it's like to work in the White House. Really good stuff there, John. So thanks for sharing your story, your journey with us. Hey, if you enjoyed that, you want to hear a little bit more from John, make sure that you download the bonus material. We cover a couple of things, especially we talk a, a lot about how you connect with busy VIP people. You know, there's people that you may look up to, you may admire, respect, want to get on their radar, but they're busy. They got a lot going on. How do you connect with them? So uh, John shares some tips and strategies for that in the bonus materials. You can do one of two things. You can go to grantbaldon.com slash 8080 for episode 80, and that'll take you to the page where you can download the bonus material. Or if you want, just within the app that you are listening to this, most people are listening on their phone. If you're listening on your phone, you can right at the top of the show notes there, you see a little box that says click here to get the exclusive bonus Click on that. It'll tell you exactly what you need to do to download the bonus material for this interview. So again, we'd encourage you to stop by, check that out. Really good stuff there. But I, you know, one of the things that John and I talked about, I'd encourage you to think about as again, find people that are doing things that you want to do. You know, once you've kind of identified what it is that you're, you're passionate about, what is it you enjoy doing, what is it that you're good at, how do those things begin to translate into a career? One thing we ought to do is rather than just trying to carve a brand new path or pioneer something new, find someone that's doing something that you already want to do and doing it again in a similar way that you would want to do it and be able to learn from them. But to learn from them, you have to be able to connect with them. So really good stuff there from John about how you connect with those type of people. Hey, if you haven't already, we'd love for you to leave us a rating or review within iTunes. We love hearing from you. Also helps other people to find out about the show. We've got several great ratings and reviews recently. We've got this one from Nick Renault. 
N-I-C-R-E-N-N-E-U. Said, I started listening to this podcast while I was at my day job. It was so motivating and inspiring that I quit to follow my heart. That's so cool. It has been such a scary but exciting journey so far, and I don't regret it for a second. These are the stories people need to hear. Thank you, Grant, for putting this information out there and inspiring the entrepreneur and all of us. Good stuff. Very cool. Thanks for sharing that review on iTunes. And you know, one of the things we talk about a lot is uh, a lot of people want to quit their traditional nine to five gig and be an entrepreneur. And, and that's fine if that's the case for you. But maybe for you, maybe you're like, I want to quit my job, but I don't necessarily want to do my own thing. I just, we tell people all the time, we want you just to find something that you enjoy doing, something that you're passionate about, something that makes you feel alive, something that doesn't feel like work to you, that it, it's not something that you're dreading, something that makes you excited on Monday morning rather than just feeling like, man, I just, I can't wait for Friday. That's a crappy place to be in life. So whether that means you you start your own business or whether that means that you just find a company doing work that you love. We hope that we can help you with that journey. Hey, I want to let you know that on the next episode coming at you, episode 82, we're going to be interviewing someone that several people have asked for, or at least a uh, an industry several people have asked for. But we're going to be interviewing a buddy of mine who owns a coffee shop here in my area. He's owned it for several years. And so we talk, he knew nothing, nothing at all about coffee, but he has a great story about how he opened a shop and how he's built a really successful, thriving business, how he competes with the Starbucks of the world and continues to expand in the uh, coffee world. So really good stuff. Excited to bring that episode to you in a couple days. So we will talk to you then. In the meantime, if you have any questions or if there's anything I can ever do for you, feel free to email me grant at grantbaldwin.com. Again, that's grant at grantbaldwin.com. You are awesome, my friend. Talk to you soon. Peace. Thanks for listening to the How Did You Get Into That podcast with Grant Baldwin. Don't forget to visit grantbaldwin.com for all the show notes and links discussed in today's episode. We'll see you next time.